The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips. He will score the tying run. In the third goes Rosarena. It's an 8-8 to game, and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. Happy Father's Day. Today, we will chat with Harold Ramirez about why he's enjoying his time so much in Tampa Bay. On this Father's Day, we'll check in with Brian Anderson of Ballet Sports Sun. Brady Williams joins us to discuss the Durham Bulls team, the Rays AAA affiliate. Plus, we'll introduce you to Sean Armstrong. And on this Father's Day, we'll hear from many dads within the Rays clubhouse. We continue on this week in race baseball, and our feature guest this week is one of the newest Rays this year. It is Harold Ramirez. Harold, thanks very much for a few minutes. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, and I hope you enjoy this interview. I'm sure I will. Tell me how much you have enjoyed this place. You have played with uh, six different organizations before the Rays. What is special about this place, and is this your favorite so far? Yeah, because here I feel like Cartagena is where I'm from. The beach, uh, a lot of Latin guys here. Right now, my mom is here, so that's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the beach and, and, and Cartagena in Colombia. Were you always someone who wanted to play baseball growing up as a child? Yeah, the soon I, I started to play baseball when I was three years old. So my mom played softball, my father played softball. My ankles, so everybody at home plays baseball. So for that reason, I just focus on baseball. Because in Colombia, they also play a lot of soccer. So did you play soccer too? And did you have to decide between soccer or baseball when you were a kid? The soon I start playing baseball, I just focus on baseball. Sometimes I just play soccer, but most of the time it was baseball. So when you were little... Who were your favorite players? Were they all from Colombia, or were there major league players that you liked? Who were your favorite players as a kid? My my favorite player always was Manny Ramirez. I see him play with Cleveland and Boston. Because of the way he hits? Yes. I really love the way he hits, how he enjoyed the game, and start to use big pants to beat Jersey because I want to be like him. Were there any Colombian players that you really liked, like Edgar Rancheria or any of the other players who have come to the major leagues from Colombia too? And I meet, and I know, like I like a lot of Colombian players, but I'm always looking to see Manny Ramirez. <laughs> I know we have a lot of good players, World Series, and everything, but my favorite was Manny <laughs> Ramirez. Is there a special pride, though? I know you. this team has two players from Colombia, you and Luis Patino. And I think you took a picture on Instagram with a player, another Colombian player from the White Sox, mm-hmm. too. What is, how, how much does it mean to see lots of Colombian players in the big leagues? It's very important for us, and we open the door for the guys who growing up because 
It's a lot of guys just say, hey, I want to be like Harold, I want to be like Patino. So now they focus to play baseball, not soccer. So that we enjoy a lot when somebody wants to be like you. Do you have you have a family, young ones? Yes, I have, I have two kids, five years old and two years old. Do you want them to play baseball like you? or If they want to play baseball, for <laughs> me it's okay. If not, it's okay too. Is whatever they want. Do they have your personality yet? And, and if so, how 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 are they like you? Yeah, they have the long hair, but they don't have the blue hair. <laughs> so my bigger son just told me, "I want the blue hair," but his mom say no. But it's okay. <laughs> The joy that you have, where does that come from? Is that who's who are you like in your family? Your mom, your dad, you seem to really enjoy life and, and playing baseball. My grandmom and my mom. That's the two person he's always enjoy a lot when I play baseball. Have they ever seen you play? Here in the States, or have they always watched on, have, have your family always seen you on the television? Just my mom watched me play here, but I hope next year my grandma coming here too to see me play. I know, obviously, you're very proud of your family, and they, are, I'm sure, are a part of you. When did you decide on the blue hair? When was that, uh, and how did that start? I just started use last year. Before winter ball star, I really just use it because this is my song color. So that's the first reason I use it for my song. But was like everybody thing was like I use it because the the thing I play winter ball was blue. And here, and the the Cleveland train me to Chicago was blue too. And here it's like half a lot of blue. But the first reason I put it blue is for my song. So it's kind of a coincidence uh, that it's for the team that you have. Yeah, it's a coincidence. It, tell me, you. I know when you're you are someone who loves to hit. How do you describe yourself as a hitter, and who helped you as a hitter when you were? getting started as a professional? For my opinion, I am a very good hitter and a special hitter because I see, like, I move a lot at the bots and I still can hit the ball. And I see a lot of guys, like, have the perfect swing and they just miss the ball. And I just say, I am lucky. God did God give me a good gift, so I gotta enjoy this part of the game. Yeah, as mentioned, you came out of Colombia. You originally signed with the Pirates. How did you end up picking the Pirates? Um, because it's it's different in Colombia to sign versus, let's say, the United States has a draft. How similar is it to like Venezuela or the Dominican when when you get signed? Do you get signed out of a camp, a tryout camp, or how does that work? So I go with Colombian team to play in Mexico. So, two scouts from the Pirates watch me play there, mm. and they invite me to the Dominican Republic for one week to try out and everything. So, I just practice with the team for four days, and they sign me. 
And then you were there for, for a while, and then you've been with, as mentioned, several other teams. You've been with Toronto, the Marlins organization, Cleveland, the Cubs. Are any of them close to this place? Any Anything similar? I don't think so, because... Or maybe Miami because the city is like the beach and everything, and I feel like Colombia too. That's the only thing is close like this one. The here we enjoy more because we win a lot. It's like like a family, good harmony on this thing. So that's good. How much easier is it to come to the ballpark every day when you feel you can win every day? You really don't want to go home and come back. You want to stay here for the next game to play hard and win again because you know everybody here is just focused for the playoff and the World Series. So that's why you want everything. When the Rays traded for you, Terry Francona said he is a good guy, he's a good clubhouse guy. Who taught you how to be a good clubhouse guy? What players? Here on this team? Uh, uh, with other teams, when did you learn? Who were maybe some of the other big leaguers when you first got to the big leagues who helped you learn how to be a good guy in the clubhouse? I really started learning that in Colombia because the soon I signed, I played with a lot of older guys with Holbert Cabrera, Orlando Cabrera. So they teach me a lot. I like to understand. I like to learn what, can, what they say to me. Um, my personality is like be a good guy, enjoy the game, enjoy with everybody. So, for that reason, a lot of people like me. I've heard you're a good dominoes player too. Is that true? Yeah, we play every night at the fly. So, we really enjoy this here. Whatever we do, we just enjoy it. So, is there anyone as good as you on this team at dominoes? And if so, who's who's close? Maybe Margot or Randy. Because we just play together, like Margot, Randy, Bruhan. Franco just play one day and he say, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> but the one who like to play a lot is like Margot and Randy. You, a lot of times you DH. You play first, you play the outfield, you DH. Some guys have trouble as a DH what do you do to stay comfortable? Because you only get to hit. You don't get to go in the field during those games. What do you do to stay relaxed during the game? It's the first time this happened to me. And when I start, I feel weird. I feel bad. I don't know what can I do here to be ready to hit. But I really just go to the cage. Like I really don't try to watch or don't try to think about too much of the game. I just focus on the pitcher who's like what he gonna throw me next at bat. After after I know, after I prepare for that, I just play around like a little kid. So you keep guys in this dugout relaxed during the game? Yeah. I don't I can I can be like I don't know, I if I don't do that I'm gonna be nervous all game, so I don't want to feel like that. Oh, it's important. It's important to have fun in this game. And and you do have fun. I think that's very clear. With your approach at the plate, you started hitting the ball in the air a bit more lately. Who helped you with doing that more? Which which coaches were really good? All the hitting coaches. We have a meeting 
because I just told they, hey, I hit the ball a lot in the Bay Road, but it's too many ground balls. So we get a meeting, the hitting coach and me, and we're talking about mentally, hands, situation, and everything. And that helped me a lot. And we just keep working and get a routine to do that every day. So what do you do different? What's your routine now? When I get to the cage, I just get my bat, getting loose for BP. Now I just do like routine with some flips, um, with the machine. So with that, that's the thing I change right now. And who who are your, you said that Manny was your favorite hitter growing up. Who are your favorite hitters to watch now on other teams? In other teams, for me, I really like Mike Trout. Yeah, because I like the way how he hit. I like the plan he have. I like his swing is like short and quick. And he always like on time. Now he have and it's long like thirty nothing, but that's happened on this game. But for me he he he's the best player hitting right now. You like right hand hitters just like yourself, huh? Yeah. <laughs> because that's that's a player I can take advantage and help me to do adjustment to hit. If this year is successful for you, what's a good year? What is a good year for you and your team? For me, it's like stay healthy about numbers, put good numbers, but I want to be like the numbers, like put my numbers at the situation if like helping the team and win and go to a playoff. So I want to do my little things to put it right at the game, like for helping the team. Well, you've done a lot good for this team so far. You're a great guy to have around, and we certainly appreciate some time on this week in Rays Baseball. Thank you, thank you. Harold Ramirez with us. We'll continue in just a moment. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in Rays Baseball. Neil Solon's with you in Baltimore, now joined by Brian Anderson of Bally Sports Sun. B.A., good afternoon, and happy Father's Day. And happy Father's Day to you, Neil, and thank you for uh, for tracking me down and, and bringing me down to the booth so that I could uh, I could do this with you. You were under duress for sure, as it has been a team under duress during this entire trip. Yes, uh, absolutely right, but... My version was Jim Palmer. That's a lot more fun than the Rays version of duress. But they got a big win yesterday. I think that's um, you know huge, obviously, for this team, for the psyche of this team. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that they won a hard-fought game. It wasn't pretty, but they won the game. It's a bottom-line business. And now you roll over, and you've got a day game. You can come out here and do some good things before you head home in that uh, you know all-important Yankee series. It certainly would help. And before all this happened, I kind of looked at this stretch as almost like a survive-and-advance type period because, I mean, you look at all the injuries they've had to endure – they're waiting for Wanderer to get back. They then lost Drew Rasmussen. They're already without Bilal and Zanino in the lineup. All the relievers, including Fire Eisen, that they're missing right now. I mean, it's been a lot at once, and if they can get through that and keep their head above water and get some guys back, they've got a chance to get on a little bit of a roll. Yeah, and gain some traction. You're, you're absolutely right. Guys are going to have to step up. And, you know, we saw that yesterday. Finally, the offense was able to piece some things together. Mm -hmm. You know, it was interesting the four previous games where the team had only scored four runs. You know, they had opportunities. They had 33 base runners during the course of those games and only scoring four runs. 
they just never were able to piece anything together. You know, they were out hitting the opposition for the most part in three of the four games. And still, that team is winning the game because the Rays were not able, again, to piece things together. And a great example of that was the ninth inning yesterday where it wasn't a beautiful inning by Mm -hmm. any stretch. But you get the walk. You get G-Man with a great two-strike hit you know on a pitch down in a way tough pitch to handle and he was able to slap it through then you get the hit by pitch and then you get an inside out you know sacrifice fly but you pieced some things together for the game winning run that's not what they've been able to do lately so if you're going to you're going to battle survival of the fittest and, and and do that uh you know win and and move on type of uh you know mindset those are the things that you're going to have to do you're going to have to piece some things together and continue to lean on that pitching staff which They've been, you know, the best in baseball for the past month, month and a half. Despite all the injuries. Yeah. And it really begins with Shane McClanahan. And I know Shane kind of put himself on the sword in New York. Um, and, and he was really, Way really too hard good. on himself. He, which is good, though. Yeah. I mean, doesn't that say speak to why he's so good right now? That's why you love him. That's why I love him. I, I mean, Shane McClanahan, first of all, forget about what he does out on the mound. I mean, he's got unbelievable stuff. He's got four-plus pitches, four put-away pitches. But it's his competitive nature. It's his accountability. Those are the things that you that you know, having been out there and having played with these guys, and 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 I was accountable myself. Didn't have quite his arm or his talent, <laughs> but but I could be accountable. But you understand that that accountability is what is going to allow him to be great. And the fact that he was that hard on himself, you can say, hey Shane, that that wasn't that wasn't on you. But you love the fact that he goes, hey, look, I got to be better. And and you know that game's on me. It wasn't, but that kind of mindset will drive him to be great. As good as New York is. Uh, they should look out for a more even determined Shane McClanahan tomorrow, I would think. Just the way he is. He's too wired. Oh, I, I cannot wait for tomorrow night's game. I mean, this, is, this setting here is beautiful. You cannot have a better day for baseball than we're going to have here in Baltimore, but I cannot wait to see him tomorrow night against the Yankees in the drop. How much do you think he rubs off on Shane Boz, who I thought after, like, the hit batter in the third inning really kicked it up a notch against Baltimore in the first game of this series? I think that this starting staff, I think that everybody brings something to the table. You know, Shane McClanahan has his attributes that are going to rub off on Shane Boz. Shane Boz is going to have something that someone else is going to pick up on. I think Corey Kluber being a part of this starting staff is a huge glue. You know, you talk about a veteran who has been there and done that. He's got hardware. He's pitched in the biggest games that this game will, uh, you know, allow you to pitch in. I think they all I think they all feed off each other and then it becomes I don't want to be the weak link. So you go six shutout, I want to go seven shutout or at least six shutout if mm-hmm. we're not going to that's it's that you hand that baton to the next guy and he wants to uphold that standard that the previous guy has set and that's what we've seen. Again, you go back over the last 30 Four or 35 games, this team's ERA is about 2-6, leading you know, Major League Baseball. That's, that's an incredible run that they've been on, but it's all, about, it's all about that accountability, and it's all about rubbing off on each other and, and wanting to uphold that standard every time they take them out. It would be nice, though, to be able to get some pieces back. Luis Patino's on the mend. He made a start this week for the Durham Bulls. We'll hear from Brady Williams in a little bit. Uh, Drew Rasmussen has a short, you know, stint on the mm-hmm. IL with this hamstring issue, and you hope to continue to get Josh Fleming right and Ryan Yarborough right in AAA because if you do, 
you do have a chance to move some guys into the bullpen and thicken the bullpen up, especially while you're still waiting for Fairbanks and Fire Eisen and some other guys to return. Think about the the IL right now, and you're you're right about all that. You, you, you thicken up that pitching staff, and you create a, a, a certain amount of depth that is, you know, you're going to have guys that are not going to be a part of the big league staff that should be. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of talent that that they've been able to accumulate. But you look at the IL right now as far as uh, you know bullpen arms. You could make the case in a perfect world if everybody's healthy and this is opening day, your top five relievers are on the I.L. between Shagwa and Fire Eisen and Fairbanks and Kittredge and Nick Anderson. Mm-hmm. It's incredible that you know these guys being on the I.L. and still what they've been able to do. Well, out, out of the pen and, and in the rotation and piece it together, they start getting some of these pieces back. It'll be interesting to see how Kevin Cash pieces it all together because, uh, you know, he's going to have a wealth of talent to be able to choose from. I think the hope is he can soon pencil Wander Franco in the lineup. What does that change when he comes back, assuming he's the guy who we saw the first couple weeks of the season? Well, I, I mean, it, it allows the, you know, Taylor Walls, Isak Paredes, it allows them to go back into, you know, the, the role that they were here for initially. And Wander Franco is going to be your everyday shortstop. He's going to be a switch hitter extraordinaire that can, you know, move the baseball, hit for power, be some of that glue in the middle of the lineup that allows you to piece some things together. So, you know, it, it just moves guys into better spots, whether it be in the lineup or coming off of the bench, uh, a role that's more suited to them right now. And, you know, getting a, a player back like Wander Franco is going to it's going to help you. It's going to thicken up the lineup, thicken up the defense. And, you know, it's uh, – it's a, it's a great thing, and hopefully it's within the week. Indeed. And, and the other thing is I think it probably takes some pressure off some of the other young guys because you can see some of them squeezing the sawdust out of the bat. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And, you know, Kevin Cash doesn't have a choice right now. He, he has to run those guys out there, you know, on a day-in, day-out basis. And, and right now it looks like maybe the game, you know, has, has sped up uh, on him from time to time. And, you know, that's that's part of being a young player in a very difficult game that, that is played every day. And you don't have time to to feel sorry for yourself. You don't have time to almost time to figure things out. You have to figure things out on the fly. And and right now, instead of, you know, having maybe one guy that that's happening with and you can kind of massage it a little bit, it's happening happening to more than to more than one. But but that is you know, that's the, the hand that, that Kevin Cash has been dealt, and these are big boys, and they're putting the work in, and they're learning a lot about themselves and about their game, and I think that it's only going to help them long term because you're going through some of these struggles. The game does seem enormous right now, but when the dust settles and you're able to take a deep breath and, you know, maybe go back to that utility role for a time, you are going to come out better for it. And then the next time you get the opportunity to be an everyday guy, and maybe off you go and, and you become a you know, a star. All right. We got a good look at the Yankees this week, unfortunately. Yet the Rays were the, like the most competitive team they've played lately. Yeah. Um, and with all these guys missing. So what is what do you look for in this series? And do you start to ignore the whole division thing if you're a Rays player and just say, we just got to focus on playing better with the run they're on right now? Yeah, you, I mean, you're, you're far enough behind now, you, you don't even look at the standings. You know, the, the Yankees are up double digits, fine, let them be. When we play them, let's, let's handle them. And then when we're playing whoever else, let's, let's handle them. Let's worry about ourselves and, and take it from there and see, see what ends up happening. Because the Yankees have built such a significant lead. I don't even think you, you, you approach catching the Yankees. Just be the best version of the Rays that you can be, and we'll see, you know, when, 
when it's all said and done, where things stand. But that's what this team needs to focus on, uh, the, the team that's directly across the field in front of them. And whether that be the Yankees, who they have pitched so well, so they know we get into a series where when we get our guns back, we can beat you because we, we know we can hold you down pitching-wise, and we can scrape across a couple runs. You know, We know we can handle you one-on-one, so they're not worried about that. What you don't want to happen is for the, the Rays, and we've seen it in years past, not, not so much this year, but we've seen it in years past that there have been times where they will play to the level of their competition. And if it's a lesser team they don't play as well. That, that's what you have to hold yourself to a standard that no matter who is across the other side of the diamond, we're going to play Rays baseball, and if you stink, we're going to bury you and move on like they did with this Baltimore team as, a season ago. Uh, but like I said, in years past, they, that hasn't always been the case. So that's what the Rays need to do is hold themselves to a standard, just go play hard every single night, and you know, in a couple of months we'll figure out where they are. Well, the standard for you has always been high. We appreciate you joining us on this week in Rays baseball. We'll enjoy your father's day, I, I will enjoy it thoroughly. Thank you so much, Neil, and, and you do. I, I have a little bead of sweat starting to form on the bald head, so <laughs> All right. get fired up. All right. He's ready to go. That's uh, Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun, and uh, we certainly appreciate him joining us on this week in Rays Baseball. We now turn our attention over to the minor league side, and joining my, me right now is the manager of the Durham Bulls, that is Brady Williams. Brady, thanks so much for being with us. Good to be on, Neil. Before we get into individual stories, let's touch a little bit, too, on the challenges and what kind of season this has been. Because I know with all the injuries for the Rays, obviously there's been a lot of trickle-down effect and, and probably more movement than you would have anticipated the first couple months of the year. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, early on for us, it was more of the starting pitching stuff. I mean, we didn't really have much starting pitching. Um, a lot of arms. We had like 19, 19 <laughs> arms, but just... The, trying to maneuver and manufacture a way to get through nine innings was 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 the challenge. Um, um, but as of right now, we're we're in really good we're in a really good spot. You know, with Fleming coming down, um, Yarbrough's here. Um, you know, Tommy Romero, who's kind of picked it up a little bit. Easton McGee, who's picked it up, and then we got um, Kevin Herget uh, at the independent ball, and so they've kind of eaten up a lot of innings, which has allowed our, our bullpen to kind of get in spots to, to pitch um, and not being overused. So it's been much better here lately. Let's hit on some of the individuals uh, and begin with Josh Lowe. The numbers have been pretty good. What have you seen so far and how has it gone for him since coming down from Tampa Bay? He's put a lot of work in with our hitting coach, Will Bradley. And, you know, I wouldn't say the focus is on not striking out. It's more about just uh, getting to a better position to fire from and, you know, he's been really consistent. I mean, over the last probably two weeks, I mean, at one point, I don't, I don't think he struck out um, in 20 plus straight at bats. And so that was a, that was something that I didn't realize until Josh kind of brought it up. It's, he's cut down his strikeouts. He's driving the ball more now. Um, but you got to remember, I mean, this, this, this kid started the year at the major leagues and he really hadn't had much experience up there yet. Um, and so I'm glad he's got a chance to come down here and kind of get the confidence that he needs so that when he does get called up again, he'll be ready to rock and roll. How big is the gap, Brady, when you have conversations and how hard is it to judge when a guy's ready? Because you see so much more velocity, I'm guessing on a regular basis at the big league level than you do at the triple a level. Yeah, it's tough because you don't, you always, you're always, you're going to be challenged at some point in your career. I mean, you're challenged at the triple a level. And once you get, have success and you maybe get over the hump, there's going to be that next challenge. And until you are given that opportunity, you don't quite know what you need to work on. And so Josh kind of figured that out. He got a lot of fastballs up there and struggled a little bit with it. 
Um, and so he knew that he needed to work on that. And he has, um, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of pinpoint that here at the AAA level because you're not quite sure until you get that opportunity. And I'm guessing probably at the AAA level, when guys are trying to get to the big leagues, they may go to their breaking ball more if they're not hitting with their fastball, right? Instead of staying with the fastball, which you may see a little bit more of up here. Yeah, for sure. And it's not just that. The, the pitcher will look at numbers or stats and they'll see this guy really having a, a monster year. And they'll say, well, man, I got to be careful with this guy. I can't, I got to throw this guy breaking balls. And, you know, once, once you get to the major league level, there's the numbers are out. This guy struggles with this spot, this fastball, this spot, this breaking ball. And so you get exposed. Um, and that's the adjustment that hitters have to make constantly, uh, whether it's here or up there. A lot of fans have asked about Jonathan Aranda because of how good his numbers are. Can you give us a feel for him as an offensive player and also on the defensive end? Um, he can really hit, Neil. There's, um, it's been a pleasure watching him. Just the, the, the caliber of a bat that he has. Um, the bat-to-ball skills is elite, you know, just the, the – especially in the strike zone. You know, every, every hitter is going to chase, but when, when the ball is in the strike zone – uh, he either makes contact or he hits it hard uh, somewhere. Um, you know, defensively, it's been it's been a work in progress. He's he's played a lot of first base in the past, and this year we're moving him around. So he's playing third, he's playing second. Um, the focus is trying to get his uh, first step uh, quickness a little better. Uh, he's got good hands. He's got a strong arm. It's just kind of getting him up to speed at playing those positions. And I know that Luke Raley was uh, banged up when uh, he came over uh, and missed a good part of the early schedule, but it looks like he started to find a rhythm with you. Yeah, he has. And, you know, we're playing him at first, we're playing him in, at left and right. Um, it seems like right now his timing has really uh, gotten to the point where he's on a good fastball and he's adjusting some breaking balls. I mean, he's hit, I think he's hit four or five homers in the last seven or eight games um, and not just on fastballs. And so that's good to see. Uh, he's got a lot of power, strong, strong left-handed hit, uh, hitter. Um, it's been a nice, uh, uh, a nice addition here in Durham. There are a couple guys, uh, hitters or position players, not on the 40 men I want to touch on. First would be Xavier Edwards, well thought of prospect, missed a lot of time due to injury. How quickly has he acclimated himself and what have you liked? Yeah, he's, he's a nice young kid, man. He's, he's got some talent. You know, he, he's uh, he's another one of those guys that that has a good uh, um, strike zone awareness, um, good bat to ball uh, uh, skill set. Um, he's mainly played second base, but we're playing him at third a little bit. And I would imagine that sometime uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to we're playing a shortstop just to kind of get some more versatility there. Um, but yeah, elite, elite uh, uh, bat to ball skills. Brady, one guy who probably is a little under the radar because he's been off the roster, but has, you know, impressed in spring training is Miles Mastroboni. I know he's probably been, what, one of your more consistent players? Yeah, he has. And he's pretty much let off the majority of the season. Um, he's almost played everywhere except for catcher and first base, I believe. He's played left, center, right, third, short, second. So a lot of versatility. Um not elite defender at all those, but an average defender, especially on the infield and maybe slightly above in the outfield. Uh, some good speed, um, high contact from the left-handed side. And he's kind of coming to some power. You know, we discussed with him early on is, um, I don't want to say the Jake Cronenworth kind of mold, but really try to focus on driving the ball more, um, looking for pitches early in the count to drive and not just put in play. 
And on the pitching side, you touched on the fact that you've got some guys who were in the big leagues. How has Josh Fleming performed in your mind since coming down, and what have you liked most? Can't say enough good about Josh. I mean, he's he's six and zero with a negative one ERA, and so he's come down here. And you know, for me, it was more just his mindset and how he was carrying himself. He wasn't coming down here uh, with a negative undertone. He was coming down with a positive, and he's taken to it. Um, he went five innings majority early on. He went six, and then he went seven, and then he went eight. Um, you know, the pitch count is where it needs to be. The breaking ball has been something he's worked on, you know, to, to separate speeds a little more. But his fastball command has been elite. And not just elite, but, like, the movement with it and the velo's up. You know, in, in 19, I want to say his velo was 91, 92 maybe. Um, and right now he's sitting pretty much 92, 93 and touching 94. And so um, those, those are all things that, that you, you'd like to see out of somebody. The fact that he's done it this quickly has been pretty impressive. And then you've got several other guys in different stages uh, trying to come back. Ryan Yarbrough, I know, you know, just kind of began with you. Luis Patino just made his rehab start. You know, how do you uh, get those guys going? And, and is it kind of in a rehab situation? You just let them get stretched out, stay out of their way a little bit? Well, well, Patino made his, his debut the other day, um, rehab debut. And so uh, for me, he looked, he actually looked better than what I remember. His, he changed a little mechanical, made, made a mechanical adjustment. So his delivery is a little different. It's a little more simple, which I think is going to allow him to be a, a, a better strike thrower. Not that he was bad, but he just even a little more. Uh, um, and then with Yarbs, I mean, for me, it's, he, he's had one out. And um, look, he's been a tremendous major league pitcher. And so right now, He's pretty much in the same mode as Fleming. He, he's he's in a good headspace as well. And um, I would like to see him kind of get back to 18, 18, 19, where he, his tempo was quicker. Uh, he threw more fastballs uh, just to get hitters um, off of his off-speed stuff. Because I just think so much off-speed that he throws um, can get him in trouble. So hopefully he gets to back using his fastball inside a little more. Um, and so his off-speed can play off that a little bit better. And then you've got a couple of relievers. I know we, we've seen plenty of them uh, come up and try and help out here. Uh, Dustin Knight, how has he been in his latest time down? And Javi Guerra got taken off the roster. I understand he's kind of clicked a little bit. Yeah, Dustin's been good. I mean, sometimes he gets a little erratic with his, his changeup. But when his changeup's on, he's got he's got that elite changeup where uh, I don't you can pretty much tell a hitter is coming and they can't hit it. It just, it just gets the home plate and stops. Um, he's been a, a back-end bullpen guy for us. And I would imagine if he were to get called up, he'd go up there and help um, in any in, in any capacity he could. Uh, but Javi Guerrero, man, he's been he's been electric. It's been fun to watch him kind of I won't say break out, but he's been a he hasn't pitched a whole lot in his career. And we got him on a an every other day kind of um, pitch regimen, and the stuff just keeps ticking up. I mean, his last outing, he's working on a four seam fastball now. It mainly was a two seam fastball before. And so his fastball now is, is four seam, 100 miles an hour at 20 inches of rise. And his two seam is at like 98 with 20 inches of run. And so those two pitches right there are elite in general. And then he's got a wipeout slider. So now it's more about just getting him more comfortable on the mound and uh, just keep continuing throwing strikes. Brady, good stuff. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Uh, continued success down in Durham. And thanks for being with us. Good talking to you, Neil. Appreciate it.
And that is Brady Williams, manager for the AAA Durham Bulls. So far this season, the race AAA affiliate 35-30. and 30. They won 6-5 yesterday over Reds affiliate Louisville. That includes a 24-12 and 12 run in the club's last 36 games. The Bulls currently two and a half games out of first place. Coming up, you'll hear from race reliever Sean Armstrong, who was in Durham for a bit, on why he came back to Tampa Bay. And we'll have a special piece from Rays players on this Father's Day. Thanks for being with us. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball, and this is the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Happy Father's Day, everybody. You know, with Andrew Kittredge out for the year due to Tommy John surgery and J.P. Fireisen and Pete Fairbanks still sideline in the Rays bullpen, Tampa Bay is looking for a number of righties to try and step forward, at least for the time being. Among them is Sean Armstrong. Armstrong made 16 appearances last year with the Rays and signed this offseason with the Marlins. However, when they eventually outrighted him off the roster and he became a free agent in May, Armstrong knew exactly where to sign. It wasn't long after returning to his current home in the Raleigh-Durham area that he had the chance to help the Tampa Bay bullpen. I mean, I just think it's, you know, there's going to be definitely opportunities here with Tampa, you know, just as way like you've seen over the previous years. But I just think it's more or less just taking their pitching philosophies and trying to implement it back into what I do with my repertoire and just trying to go out there and throw strike one, strike two, strike three. You know, that's our philosophy here in Tampa. Um, and it's just, obviously it means a lot to get the opportunity. I'm just trying to take advantage of it. And I'm just trying to stick with a, you know, a really good baseball team and do whatever I can to help this team win. How much more comfortable do you feel here than other places that you've been in? If so, why? I don't, I don't think it's more comfortable. I think it's more of just learning kind of the process over the years. And obviously like you see it from player to player all the time, like that sticking it's, it's, they, that's like they always told me, it's easy to get to the big leagues, it's hard to stick. And I think, you know, over the years, I put a lot of pressure on myself looking over my shoulder, like, all right, am I going to be DFA'd again, you know, like it's for the sixth time, whatever. And I just had the conversation with my wife before I, like, the night I got caught up, and it's like, what do I have to lose? And, you know, I, get, I go back to AAA and I live at home and, you know, play in AAA baseball. I mean, I have a job, I play the game that I love. You know, my little boy gets to see me, you know, continue to play. And I just think that coming here and, I mean, you see it. It's a family atmosphere here. We all support one another, um, no matter what the outcome of the game is. I mean, it's it's one team. It's not one person. And I think that helps a lot, you know, too. And then, obviously, like, understanding the physicality of myself and then understanding what the analytics and metrics here say. I mean, they've had success over the years. So I put a lot of trust in them. I put a lot of trust in Z, Mejia, now Pinto behind the plate. I think that they have phenomenal relationships with all the pitchers, and that makes my job easy, too. And the reason I asked the word comfortable, because you elected to come back here, you elected to sign here. So I figured there had to be some sort of level of confidence that things could work out here. Yeah, and I think it was, you know, being traded over here last year and only having two months with the organization at the trade and seeing just how my stuff, you know, got better over time, working with Nappy, working with Snyder, you know, working with Brian down there this year, just... It was familiarity, you know, like I was able to work with him last year and I saw the improvements that I had in my stuff, and I, you know, just and just I also saw the improvement in my demeanor, you know, trusting my stuff at the big league level and just in any situation. And I just think that, you know, the preparation that our analytics, our front office put into all of the players, you know, whether we're a hitter or a pitcher, whatever it may be, I think that that gives us the ability to trust our stuff that much more. And, I mean, they've done the preparation. They prepare us, you know, bullpen, side work, talking pitch grips, talking anything, metrics, whatever it may be, and how we can tinker around to get that much better. 
And I, like I said, I like I do a lot of analytic stuff in the off season as far as like you know the data and everything with my guys that I train, and I just see how much they put in, how much I learn in such a short period of time. And I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to sign back this off season with them. It's just it wasn't the fit of the right time. Their front office was very transparent with the you know the off season moves, and I respect that, and I give the, you know all the respect to this team for giving me the opportunity to come back. How much of that honest and sincerity allows you to succeed here, too? Because that means something. It goes a long way in the big leagues. You know, and I've been fortunate to play under, you know, some pretty good managers between Don, my short time with Marlins, Don, you know, Don Mattingly. I had cash in Cleveland having cash here and playing under Tito. And just the transparency and the communication goes a long ways in this game because there is a lot of unknown variables. You know, like I've been in three different cities and, you know, the first two months of the cities, I mean, the season last year four different cities over the like, course and it's just you come here and you know like west air travel does a phenomenal job of making sure you're good to go as soon as you get here and then you know the front office communication the coaches the front like the communication it's just it's home you know and it's like like i said that's crazy because i've only technically been with this org for two months and a couple of weeks you know so but it feels like i've been here forever and it's just I, I love it i love being here i love being with these guys and it's a great group to play with and that's Sean Armstrong. Good stuff from him. He did allow a walk-off homer to Anthony Rizzo back on Thursday, but that's only the second run he's given up in nine and a third innings with the Rays, and during that stretch has struck out a total of 11. Sean mentioned being a dad. I chatted with several other fathers among the Rays players about themselves and their dads this week. And, of course, this Father's Day, Kevin Kiermeyer, a father of two, says his dad Jim put in a lot of time, and as Kevin has grown older, he's appreciated the example he had. I always appreciate my dad, but the little stubborn side of me never wanted to give him the props that he deserved always. But as I got older, um, year after year, I realized how much um, my dad did for me, my family, my brothers, my mom, everything. And, uh, you know, I try to emulate him in many ways and what it takes to being a dad. And I got two two uh, sons now. I've been dad uh going on four years this november um but it's it's such a blessing so much fun learn a lot about myself learn a lot about my kids obviously and uh it's it's definitely the best job in the world i love it so much kiermeyer has two young boys in carter and crew and says father's day is another opportunity to appreciate a hectic time but a really fun one i tell myself all the time don't ever take any of this for granted i'm so lucky to be in the position i am my kids are three and a half and little over one crazy hectic time but I want to you know try to always make the best of it no matter what balancing life in uh off the field and on the field it's so much fun and I look back at these days forever but uh man it feels good to you know to have the label dad and I just want to be the best dad I can be to my kids and let them know I'll always be there for them some of the Rays players see their dad in themselves, like pitcher Brooks Raley, a father of four. My dad was always very direct, um, and uh, so I find myself being very matter-of-fact with, with my kids. And I, I think I have pretty good patience, but at times I feel like I get uh, like, hey, come here, you know, and things like that. So I think there's definitely a little bit of that in me for sure. For Jason Adam, Father's Day is one of many opportunities he has a chance to catch up with his dad and was a great example for Jason, a father of three girls. Thankfully, I, my dad still around. I have a great relationship with him. I call him um, pretty much every day um, on the way to the field and get to talk baseball and life. And he's just always shown me that, uh, you know, that no matter whether he's working, busy, whatever, I was always a priority. My dad worked a lot growing up, um, but no matter 
what time he got home, he was always willing to play catch. He was always, uh, even though I'm sure looking at it now, I'm like, he was probably exhausted, but uh, he never made me feel like I was a burden and he was always ready to play um, and just be a, a great dad to my sister and I. For Since you do have several kids, do you see yourself in your dad and things that you do now as a dad that are similar to the things you remember him saying or doing? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I, I hope to be uh, as good of a dad for these my girls as my dad was for my sister and I. But yeah, it is funny. You start seeing yourself repeating um, the things your dad said, and, and I'm sure it's only going to get more so as these girls get a little older and um, become teenagers and uh, give me the same headaches that my sister and I probably gave my dad. But yeah, I just it's, uh, it is funny to start seeing yourself uh, or your parents and yourself. Corey Kluber doesn't think much about how he parents like his dad, but says Father's Day is about the enjoyment he has with his children, with his son Camden often making trips to the clubhouse during homestands. It's something Corey truly appreciates. No doubt. Um, you know, it's a cool experience to be able to, to bring him to the ballpark, whether it's um, coming early and running around on the field or, you know, they get a kick out of running the bases after games on Sundays, things like that too. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's fun things like that that just, you know, you see the smile on their face and it reminds you, um, you know, just what being a kid's all about. That certainly hit a chord with Jeffrey Springs, who is enjoying his first Father's Day weekend as a dad of five-month-old son Stetson. I thought it was so cool, when, you know, when I see veteran guys bring their kids to the locker room and stuff like that. I, I don't know, I just always thought that was so cool because, they, you know, it it's awesome. You know, we play a kid's game and then they're able to kind of passing on to their kids and I'm excited about it. It's definitely going to be um, a lot more special than the ones in the past. Uh, you know, I, it, it means a lot. It really doesn't. They're here, so that, that's going to make it even better. As a kid, Shane McClanahan got a push from his dad, James, especially in the game of baseball. You know, Father's Day, I think, is it's important to everyone in this clubhouse. You know, it's, uh, it's the man that made us who we are and, you know, instilled a lot of the values and virtues we hold to hold true to this day. And you know, it's a very, uh, very exciting day for us here at the ballpark. Uh, you know, my dad, my dad taught me everything I know about the game. Uh, you know, from taking me to Camden Yards when I was younger to, you know, being my little league coach, and uh, I was very thankful to have him out there. You know, he taught me toughness, and you know, taught me how to try and be a leader. And you know, when life doesn't go your way, you just keep going and you know, keep fighting. Father's Day also is a time for reflection, and Rayleigh remembers when he first became a dad with the first of their children. We were in the hospital for a couple of days when they finally tell you you can go, and, you know, I never really even had a, knew how to hold my first daughter, so I was, like, watching the nurses and seeing how they pick them up and, um, you know, just holding something so small and fragile, and then they tell you, like, hey, you can, you know, y'all can go home now, and you're like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you want us to take this baby home? We have no idea what we're doing, but, you know, over the years and, and having twins and then, Obviously, our littlest one now, it's kind of, we have one kid here on this trip, and so it's been really easy compared to, you know, four back at home. Really, we'll be back with all of his children later tonight. He says he's thankful to have a wonderful family and is among the few in the game that came from professional baseball, something he also remembers fondly. I played in the Blue Jays organization up to, like, double A, and, um, you know, his, his family didn't, um, necessarily push him or whatever as baseball was a career choice at that time and I think he kind of carried that with him and um, you know he didn't quite push himself or, or, or you know get to the level he wanted to get to or get to the majors um, my older brother played and then um, my younger brother um, played college ball too so I think our whole family of baseball players and then um, I feel like my dad always kind of pushed us to, to go achieve.
and uh, strive to be great no matter where you're from or whatever. So being from a small town in Texas, knowing that you know the big leagues was attainable, and, and my dad always believed that, so he always pushed me to do that and achieve. So uh, we have a special relationship. Baseball's changed a lot since he was coaching, but he was fundamentally sound. I mean, our, my, all my teams growing up and stuff, he coached them, and you know, just a very good IQ guy, and I learned a lot about the game, about taking extra bases and in the outfield, stopping doubles, and, you know, a lot of a lot of the intrinsic things that are in the game that, you know, a lot of fans don't see, but when you watch a good player play, they do these things well, right, and always throw strikes and pound the zone and stuff. So, um, yeah, I owe it to him my baseball career. I wouldn't be here without him for sure. And hopefully for you, whether it's in baseball or other reasons, you have a chance to say thanks to the dads in your life in some way on this Father's Day. Let's pause for station identification. This is the Race Baseball Network.